Y Combinator program ends in demo day, where you get to pitch investors and uh, go on and raise your, your seed round. And three days before demo day, we get a letter from the FAA that says essentially our entire business is illegal and we have to shut down immediately. Hello and welcome to DeFire, the podcast that brings you that crypto fire you desire. My name is Jonas and today on the show you hear the story of Matt Voska. Matt is a Y Combinator alumni, entrepreneur, pilot and digital nomad, currently living and working in beautiful Rio de Janeiro, that's how the locals pronounce it. And I've been there the last three months as well. I went to record this conversation at Matt's bachelor pad in Rio and I was blown away by the beautiful view his living room has to offer. I recorded a short video and posted it on the DeFire Instagram account. Go check it out, DeFire.money. But back to the program. Matt has launched his first startup at Y Combinator. It was an Uber for small airplanes. But more recently, he had made a splash in the world of DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. He has co-founded the Orange DAO, a DAO exclusively for Y Combinator alumni just like him. And we're also talking about his latest startup called Origami that helps Web2 companies to start their own DAOs. So buckle up, but before we start, a quick word from our sponsors. Let's quickly address our sponsor today. CryptoValley.jobs is a job board where engineers, designers, analysts, traders, and community builders can find cool crypto jobs. Full disclosure, I run this job board as a side project of this podcast. So if you are looking for a job or you want to advertise an open position, please go and visit cryptovalley.jobs. And while you're there, make sure to sign up on the email list so you're always informed when new jobs are posted on the platform. That's cryptovalley.jobs. And now let's start the show. Cessna 649 or 2.0 is uh, ready for takeoff from the 2.4. How would you introduce yourself like, for, for, for the people listening out there? I'd say I'm a technologist, someone who, who likes to, to build technology. I'm a bit of an adventurer. I like to explore and do different things, and I love to fly. I'm a pilot. And you, you're from the, the US, and currently we are recording here in Rio in your beautiful apartment. <laughs> with an amazing view. Um, yeah, tell, tell us a little bit the background. How, how did you come from Chicago, right, where you grew up, to, to Rio? What was your journey? Yeah, I grew up in Chicago and um, you know, all my friends stayed in, in Illinois and in, in the state for university and, and there were very few that actually left and I, I kind of wanted to get out. I was you know, in this smallish suburban town of Chicago, so I, I went to Boston for university and being there, being in the, the hype of people starting companies, I had, I had friends who were getting offers after their freshman year to join a pre-IPO startup. It was really exciting. And so seeing that entrepreneurship, that's what made me really want to start a company, was, uh, was all that excitement. So it, it was shortly after that I, I started FlightNow in my, my second year of university. And when we got into Y Combinator, I ended up dropping out of university and we moved to California. Uh, and then I spent the next five years there. So what did you study? Well, I was studying computer engineering, but I don't think I got into any of those classes after just a year and a half. And then while you were studying, you were infected by this entrepreneurship bug and you were saying, hey, I have an idea. I want to get into the Y Combinator. 
we just had an idea then, right? It, honestly, it was to solve my problem. Uh, I wanted to go flying and it was really expensive. As a broke college student, I couldn't afford to go rent a plane. But I had friends who wanted to come with, and so we could split the cost legally. So I said, okay, well, you know, I'm gonna run out of friends who can uh, go flying, so why don't I create a website, and then anyone on the internet can come flying with me. So it was to solve my own problem. Like flying with you as in, as, as your co-pilot, or flying with you, like going, a, to some, going, going places? It's, it was more leisure. Yeah. So uh, a Rio example would be like uh, Rio to Angra, or you know, New York to the Hamptons, or uh, to Martha's Vineyard, right? So th these are different types of trips that you can do that are short distance, mm -hmm. uh, relatively short, you know, an hour or two, and they're not easily accessible by car or commercial planes. So this is where a, a small private plane, it, it's really easy to get there. Yeah. Is it just like a propeller plane? How many people can fit in such a plane? Yeah, we're talking like a four-seater Cessna or Piper, a single engine, propeller driven, it was small planes, yeah, yeah. What would be something you say, like a commando or something? Let's give some audio touch, you know, well, like some pilot talk. <laughs> I don't know, let's see. Yeah. Cessna 649 or 20 is uh, ready for takeoff, runway 24. Right. <laughs> I only know Houston, we have a problem. Yeah, hopefully I'm not saying that ever. <laughs> it seems like, you know, like such a, a dream for every kid to become a pilot, but you actually become a pilot. How, how do you yeah. become a pilot? When I was young, when I was like 10 years old, my uncle had a small two-seater plane mm -hmm. and uh, he took me up once. And I'll never forget that day. That was like, you know, getting to, to sit side by side within the pilot seat and fly up with the clouds. That, that really changed everything for me. And ever since that day, I, I wanted to become a pilot. Oh, and, wow. Uh, and I never flew again until I was 16 and I got to go on some flight at a local airport and I was like, wait a second, I'm, I'm 16. I could start to learn to fly now. So I, I started working, I got a job as like a busboy at a restaurant and saved up money for a year and then went out and, and got my license. And oh. so at, at 17, I, I learned to fly and it's such a fun hobby. You know, it's really special when you're just up there cruising with the clouds. There's, uh, there's really nothing like it. Can you imagine? Yeah. And then you became, became a pilot and then suddenly you figured out th there should be something where I can share costs, where, where other right. people fly with me. Well, the problem was where I grew up, it was really quite cheap to rent a plane. There, I was able to uh, you know, afford it as a, as a working high school student. But uh, when I went out to university in Boston, the Boston prices were like almost four times as much to rent a plane. What are the costs? Is it usually like fuel or is it just to rent? the plane itself. So they, they call it a wet rental, where it's uh, you get the plane for the hour and all the fuel is included. Mm. So, you know, in my hometown back then, this is 2011, it was about $65 an hour, 65 US, to rent a plane, a two-seater, you know, a little small one, yeah, that was it. And then in Boston, it was like almost 150 an hour. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it was certainly a lot more expensive there. Yeah. yeah. Okay, interesting. And then you were like, Hey, I want to get into YC. I have this, this idea for a company. I heard uh, the term Uber for airplanes. This was kind of like the pitch. Right. So, I mean, we were doing this as like a side project while we were still you know, taking classes at university. And uh, we, we actually got reached out to by Shark Tank in the US and they wanted us to come on the show. But wait, but, but first you had to do something that they reached out to you. We, had to... we, we, we made a website and we, we presented it like a local school fair, basically. And then 
some tech blog wrote about us. They must have seen us at this fair. They wrote a story about us, and then from that, Shark Tank reached out. They do such active sourcing. Yeah, I, I didn't know this either. But yeah, they reached out and said Crazy. they wanted to have us on the show. Um, yeah. So that was obviously like a super exciting moment yeah. that our thing became you know, just a side project to something real. Mm -hmm. Did um, you go on Shark Tank? So when we, we got accepted into Shark Tank, they were like, all right, sign these contracts and we'll come out and start filming you. And uh, it was around the same time that we had applied to Y Combinator. So we're like, okay, let's, let's see what YC says and then you know, we'll, we'll sign these. But you know, we kind of knew that we weren't gonna get into YC. You knew? I, I mean, we're like 19 years old. We don't know what we're doing. You, you knew that you were not going to get into YC? We just assumed we were not ah, gonna get okay. in. Like, ah. that was not even a remote possibility. Like, they, that, they were like way up here and you know, we're, we're just a couple kids, you know? We, we didn't see that as a, a realistic thing. Um, but then they, they called us in for an interview. So we flew from, from Boston to San Francisco for this 10 minute interview. Did you fly with one of your No, 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 <laughs> we flew commercial. Okay. And we flew out for it and that, the day of the interview was my, my 20th birthday and they gave me a call that night and said, hey, you know, we, we love what you're doing. We want you to you know, wow. drop out of school, move to California and we want to invest. Crazy. They, yeah. And, Wow. Okay, that's crazy. I mean, how, and how did that feel? Let, let's 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 marinate a little bit in this. Uh, in this <laughs> that was that was really exciting. That was twenty years like, old. Do oh, you best birthday ever. Best like, birthday ever. Yeah. And who called? Is it like one of the the big guys there? One of uh, one of the partners, uh, Kat Manilak. So yeah, she she's one of the partners of YC, and I remember she called and said, yeah, you know, we want you to to join. The That's program. crazy. I, I quickly want to go a little bit in, in YC because sure. just to give a little bit of context, YC is one of the most prestigious Silicon Valley venture accelerators, right? Airbnb, Reddit, Dropbox. Yeah. Tons of famous startups come from, from them. Right, right. And it's like a three months program twice a year. Right. Where like around 400 companies enroll in a three month program where they perfect their pitch or like they, they work on their products. What is, how, you have been there, you tell sure. me, how is it? Yeah, so there's a few different components to the program, uh -huh. um, but their, their big innovation, of YC's innovation was this batched investments. So you're going through the program with lots of other people in the same stage as you are. Mm -hmm. So when we went through, it was like maybe 100 companies. Now I think they're, they're up to around 400 per batch. Uh, and so you're all starting a company together. You're going through the same problems and it's helpful to have someone that, that understands what you're going through and can help you through it. And then a lot of their partner, I think, well, all of their partners have started companies in the past and they're, they're very insightful. They have very good pattern recognition. So they can tell you, hey, you know, we think you're going down a bad path here, here's why. Um, you should try this, here's why. So a few components, right? It's the, the batches, right? You've got this network of people all in the same life cycle of your startup. Mm -hmm. Then you've got a group. So this, this smaller um, group, you get two YC partners who are assigned to that group. And so for us, it was like other marketplaces. Yeah. Right, so similar type companies that are probably going through really similar problems. Yeah, okay. And then every Tuesday we would have a dinner with some famous entrepreneur who would come in and, mm -hmm. and tell us their story. It, you know, it'd be all off the record and we could ask questions. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. And you have to be there. It's three months. You go every day in, maybe have a... No, no. We, we oh. generally only meet once a, once a week. We just come in for those, those Tuesday dinners. Uh, for the speaker and uh, every other week we'd, we'd come in a little bit earlier and do a group partner session. Mm -hmm. 
for three months. But but they want to have you there. They want to have you in San Francisco. They well, they did at the time. Yeah, I mean, COVID times are different. I, they definitely want to go back to that. I mean, that that was like a really special time. You know, you get to meet all these uh, really smart people. Yeah, it, it was kind of weird. You know, we're, we're going around the room and everyone's like, oh, you know, dropped out of Stanford, like at Harvard. I left Google and Facebook to start my thing, and we're like, oh, you know, we're we're like college sophomores. You know, we we felt like the dumbest people in the room, hands down. And were you also the youngest? I think there was one other. Uh, entrepreneur in our group who was 19 or 18, but yeah, it, it was pretty much just the the few of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that that was in 2014, correct? That was in 2014. And you said you're pretty sure you wouldn't get in at the time. Yeah. Do you We remember the, so. the the pitch? What what do you think made the difference? Um, and how do you prepare for this very special? You get the invite. Right. You're excited. You want to go. You you want to shine. What is preparation that you've done to convince them? So we talked to a lot of YC alumni and they gave us insight. They would grill us with questions. I'll remember one of them told us that like, if you get to the interview stage, you're basically in. Like they want you to come into the program and they're just looking for red flags. And uh, what he told us is our biggest red flags is one, you guys are college students. So what's to say you're not just gonna keep working on this on the side if they give you money, right? They want to know that you're committed. And two was the legality. You know, that was a big question for Flight Now is, is this even legal, right? Yeah. Uber was running into all kinds of problems at the time. So on the, on the aviation side of, of Uber, you know, that could be very difficult. And so we told them, look, you know, we're, we're here to commit to this. We, we want to do this. You know, I, I said, hey, but if we get investment, I'm dropping out of university. And on the legal side, one of my friends, her dad was one of the best aviation attorneys in the country. So she connected us and we were working with him and he said, look, you know, based on the law at this time, this is, this should be legal. This should be legal. This should be legal. Yes. Yes. And there, there's tons of precedent for this to be legal. You know, I, if, if I were your attorney, I, I would advise you that, that this is fine. So we told them that in the interview and, and they, they accepted us. And what are some questions? What are, is it just like what would you and I would ask, or do they have something that stood out to you? It's like sure. this guy thinks differently or looks at startups differently. Well, they they do a lot uh, of questions like that in the interview or in the application process. Uh, so I think one of their their famous ones are what's a, a non-computer system that you've hacked in the past. Mm. So they they want to look for people who are like really resourceful and finding creative ways to solve things. And what was your answer to that question? <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, my, so I, I was studying at Northeastern University in Boston. And, you know, we're across the river from Harvard and MIT, but they always got the good speakers, right? Mm. They had all the cool people coming in. So I got onto their mailing list and uh, I would get notifications whenever they had a cool speaker coming. And I'd just bike over and pretend like I was a, a Harvard student and just walk right in. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's where I actually got to see Paul Graham and Sam Altman, the, uh, the two people who were running Y Combinator at the time, and that's what made me apply. And how, how much of a product did you have at the time already? <laughs> did it feel like you, you, you just hacked your way into YC when they accepted you? Was there already a website that worked? Were there customers? Was there something going on? Or was it more like a we, landing page with a form? Basically a landing page with a form, oh. yeah. But we, we had done some early flights and they went well. You know, people, people enjoyed them, they wanted to go again. So I, I think we had done maybe 10 flights in Boston by that point. And, and yeah, so we, we definitely were, were very early stage in the product yeah. there. 
And really, like, or, like people were going on the website to find a flight. Or yeah, was it more like, hey, I know Matt is going to do this. And we had we had thousands of people sign up. It was well beyond my network at that time. Yeah, yeah. And then you started to run into some issues, right? <laughs> yes. So the Y Combinator program ends in demo day, where you get to pitch investors and uh, go on and raise your your seed round. And uh, so we, we had practiced our pitch, you know, I was ready to go on stage and give this presentation. And three days before demo day, we get a letter from the FAA that says essentially our entire business is illegal and we have to shut down immediately. And you have to shut down immediately? Effectively, yeah. They, they said, you know, they'd be enforcing, you know, any action um, that, that pilots were taking on our site. So, and it's a big risk, right? If you're a pilot and uh, you were going to go on flight now, I mean, you could lose your license for that. So when someone's invested so much time and money into getting their license, they definitely don't want to lose it, especially over just to save, you know, a hundred bucks on their flight. So for that reason, we, we had to shut down and it was tough. We were on like the top of the world and everything just came crashing down. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you said it earlier as well. Uber had, you know, like this mentality of, well, yeah. So when Uber faced legal issues, yeah. they could just say, okay, well, we won't go to Austin, Texas right now, you know, we can go to every other city nearby. Yeah. Their issues were at the city and, and county level. They, they didn't face issues on a national level. Mm -hmm. So for us, I mean, we'd have to like go to Canada or, or Mexico or Europe to, yeah. to be able to do this. And uh, no other country has the flight network that the U.S. has. And for me, you know, I wanted this for myself, right? <laughs> My, my passion wasn't to launch this for people in Europe at the time. So it, we, we fought to try and make it happen in the US. Mm -hmm. But let's go quickly back to these three days before the pitch. Yeah. So you didn't even go out to do the pitch or did we you? Didn't. No, because oh. we shut down the site because we, we didn't want any pilots to face enforcement action from the FAA. Mm -hmm. uh, and so now we've got a business that's been marked illegal by the federal government. Uh, going to be difficult to raise money on around that. So we, we decided not to pitch at Demo Day. And what were your you know, the advisors uh, telling you at the time? <laughs> They're like, wow, this is, this is really tough timing. I'm sorry, guys. Um, yeah, they, they were saying, look, you know, maybe you should look for a new idea, try and come up with something new, uh, you know, take some time and just relax. We were sitting down with, with Sam Altman and he's like, look, you, know, you guys should just like go to Tahoe for a few days and relax. <laughs> you know, that's, that's tough. So it, it was a really hard time for sure. You know, I, I was questioning everything, you know. You just dropped out wrong? of college for, of, you dropped off college for yeah. this. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, should I, should I just go back? You Did you, and you moved all your stuff? You're, 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 moved my entire life to, I mean, to, didn't have much of a life at that yeah. point, right? But yeah, moved everything to California. And brought your friends along, I guess, right. some, some of them. Right. And they, they also were in the same situation. They were in the same situation. So it was three, I had three other co-founders there. Two of them went back to university and uh, the other went back to work in Boston. So I was kind of all, all alone in, in California at the time. And what did you do? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really tough at first. Like I was thinking, you know, I'm making the wrong decision by trying to stay out here. You know, should I just go back and, and finish my degree? But then I realized something, which is, okay, hold on. We just met all these people who they did go on to raise money at Demo Day and they're looking to hire people. So, you know, I've got my choice of which company I, I want to join here. Is they're all looking for people to help grow their company. So 
I talked to a few friends and eventually joined Bannerman as uh, you know, effectively the first employee and uh, as chief operating officer. Yeah, I wondered what that is, Bannerman. What I found is like a, it's a security company somehow, but yeah. with, with tech. I, I, I didn't do a deep dive on it, but sure. what I understood is I imagine it's like people sitting on their screens at home, but looking at security footage. At the time, it was like Uber for security. So it made a lot of sense from Uber for planes to, mm -hmm. to jump over to that. The goal was you could pull out your phone and, and order a security guard and we could prevent something like you know, the movie Taken from happening. That was the initial idea there. Yeah. But uh, we had to pivot from that with some of the changing laws in California. So we, we employed all of our security guards. We had uh, a force of like 300 security guards at the time. Mm -hmm and uh, eventually moved to a, a completely software model. So we, we create uh, security management software. But nothing connecting the camera, having some AI, we, seeing there's movement. We, we started to build out some of that stuff, yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that's the direction we wanted to go down. But yeah, there were, there were challenges along the way that, in preventing that from happening. And you've been in that company since the beginning? Well, I joined after, so they were in our same batch of YC. The company was like six months old when I joined. Okay, yeah. and you, you've been there to, to see them growing, how they, and, and be a part of it, like how, how did right. they find the first customers, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Some, I'm sure there must be some interesting learnings that you can take over <laughs> to your next project. Yeah, many war stories from that one of just, you know, coming really, really close to the, the company dying and we had, to, we had to save it. You know, there have been times when we've been, you know, six weeks of cash left and had to, had to find our way out. Times where we've been sued by a, a major competitor in the space, trying to kill the company. There's been all kinds of roadblocks as you're trying to grow a company. Yeah. That you have to get through. And why Combinator gave you uh, 500,000 in the beginning or just after demo day? Or did you, did you have some money still left from that? Or, or how does it work when you, when you <laughs> resolve a company after three months? Well, back then they only gave you 120,000. Oh. Uh, now it's 500, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had gotten some funding from, from YC and then a local VC in Boston. So that, that was like our, our pre-seed round for flight now. Mm -hmm. And we continued to try and fight the FAA decision after we had gotten shut down. So we, we appealed to one level below the Supreme Court. We made a Supreme Court appeal in the US. We tried to get different bills passed in the, the House of Representatives, the Senate. And actually just a couple of years ago, we finally got a bill passed that required a study to be done on ride sharing in aviation, but ultimately it went nowhere. You know, the FAA has a lot of power and it's hard to overcome that. So they were able to just kill the bill and kill the report. So yeah, it, 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 it kept going for a while on the, on the advocacy side, but yeah, I think it's, I don't see this happening in the US anytime soon. And then you were at Bannerman and recently you made waves with the Orange Dow. Yeah, so... Tell us the story there. What, what we, is the Orange Dow? Orange Dow is a Dow for YC alumni who are getting into crypto or who are in Web3 now. And it, it honestly, it started as a couple WhatsApp groups. Uh, so we had a bunch of people in YC who were interested in Web3. They were getting into crypto. And so we had this WhatsApp group where we talked through things, uh, could help each other. But so many people were interested that uh, we, we hit the cap of people you can have in a WhatsApp group. It's 250. And so Two, we're like, okay. 250 or 250, 250 people. people is the max. I didn't know that. Yeah. So we're like, okay, well, you know, let's just move to Discord. And while we're doing that, we're like, hey, you know, 
we should we should start a fund together and uh, invest in YC companies that are they're doing Web three projects. Mm-hmm. And then we well, hold on, why not? Why just a fund? Let's let's start a DAO, mm-hmm. and and we can you know have this this greater impact and of helping Web three. So it all just kind of came together somewhat sporadically or spontaneously. And this was back in September, September of last year, September twenty one. And we, we built the DAO, you know, we got the Discord set up, and then we started building some products. So we, we built like an NFT membership. So this is one kind of unique thing we've, we've developed is we actually have a two token model for our DAO. So you've got an NFT that, that is your membership token, and then you have the, the governance token that is like your voting power. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the DAO, a DAO, a DAO can be many things, yes. right? Yes, yes. Uh, sense decentralized autonomous organization you have to be a yc alumni that's right and you somehow you have to make sure that the yc alumni is the yc alumni right yes. i mean so it's there's some centralization for sure so in this town right so the the way we were doing it is we were using an internal yc forum and you'd have to post your discord in that internal forum and then we'd validate you on the discord But the, we, so one of the first things we built was like this automatic validator that would use your Y Combinator login to be able to authenticate you into the Discord. Uh, and you'd also be able to mint your NFT. Okay. So it's like this automated uh, authentication system that we built. Yeah. And the NFT, but you couldn't sell the NFT and then to someone who's not a Non-transferable. Non-transferable NFT. But we've got a clever system where if you want to move wallets, you can do that. Okay. 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 And then you, you had this DAO, you, you said you have the NFT, which is basically just a membership, a membership card. token. Yeah, yeah, your membership card, exactly. And yeah. then you have a governance token where you can vote, right? That's right. Is there also a value capture token? No, uh, you know, so the, the, the governance token is non-transferable as well. And it, it's really, it's, it's just for, for being able to vote on different proposals. So our goal for this DAO is to, to further Web3. And, it, you know, obviously that, that's kind of a... A blurry goal, but the, the way that we see it is one of the biggest impacts that we can have in, in driving the Web3 movement forward is taking Web2 founders and, and sending them down the rabbit hole of Web3. And, and we've, we're already seeing this. So we're having lots of entrepreneurs who are curious about Web3 but don't know where to start. They're joining the DAO and their NFT, their membership NFT is the first NFT that they've minted. So they're, they're getting a in education into Web3 through the DAO. You know, we're giving them like this, this safe space to try stuff out. They've got a, a forum to talk to people, to ask questions and, and learn about it so that they can actually build products in Web3. So I, I think that's the, the biggest value of the DAO right now is we're, we're helping founders to get into Web3 when they, they haven't been onboarded to it yet. So YC alumni are in the DAO, only they are allowed, right. but you are investing also only in YC companies that are in Web3. So we, we have a separate organization it's, uh, that we're calling it the Orange Fund, mm-hmm. and the Orange Fund is doing investments in Web3 companies. At first, you know, the, the first fund was just in YC crypto companies, but now we're, we're expanding that. We're, we're, we'll fund you know, any Web3 company that's interesting. And uh, yeah, so, so we, we've got this separate organization that does that, but uh, I think it's something like 99, almost 100% of the LPs in this fund are YC alumni. Mm. Uh, there you would have, you would allow people 
from we are you know starting to open it up okay. to to outside LPs just so you know we, we've got more more funds to be able to deploy and, and help grow the space even further but that fund is it also a web3 project or is that something you know like tacked on, on uh, let's say angelist is famous for for setting right. up funds quickly is, is it based yeah, on it, it's a standard GP LP structure you know it's a standard fund structure I've never raised a fund tell, tell me what, what does it mean the LP yeah, so, sorry, you've got general partners and limited partners. The limited partners are committing the funds and the general partners are making the investment decisions. Ah, okay. Yeah. So the DAO and the fund are, are separate or could you vote if the governance tokens from the DAO Basically, the, the limited partners are voting on which projects they should So there, there are a lot of regulations around this, and we're, we're being very careful to not cross any of those lines. You know, the, the DAO is not you know, advising the fund on, on what to invest. But you know, the, the, the DAO is obviously working with a lot of interesting companies there, getting to see cool companies, um, seeing people who are, who are doing new things. Obviously, all, you know, all the alumni are, are now working on new projects in Web3. And so, you know, just knowing the same people, the, the, these connections are made where the fund can go and invest. I'm interested in this kind of crowdfunding component of everybody can be a venture capitalist because that's right. what brought me to crypto, right. like this frustration yes. to, to see cool stuff happening and kind of knowing what's going to, or thinking to know yes. what's going to be big and not being able to be taking part of the upside. So the DAO in this setup yeah. isn't capturing that. You still have to be, roll over to the, this other fund and somehow be an accredited investor, for instance, or uh, I don't know, what, what do you need to have? That's right, yeah. To, so there to be able to invest. We created this special fund structure, and I'm not fully up to speed on the on the regulations here. We're having someone else who set this up, but it's something like we can we can accept 250 investors. We have to have a certain percentage, like maybe 95% of them, be accredited. But there's a few slots for unaccredited investors. It is still very very difficult, especially in the U.S. I mean, the SEC has a lot of regulations around this, so you know we're we have to be very careful around mm -hmm. around that. Yeah. And are you a general partner of the fund? I am not a general partner of the fund. No, yeah. no. Uh, so Ben, uh, Ben Ha, my, my co-founder in, in Origami, he, he's working on the fund side along with Don Ho, who's also a co-founder of Origami. Okay, and that's a smooth rollover to Origami. So what is Origami? So Origami, and you know, we just got the name a, a few weeks ago, actually. It, it all just came together really spontaneously as well. So after we set up the orange DAO, we, we got over something like 10 to 15% of YC alumni joined within a few months. Mm -hmm. So tons of traction really early. We've got a number of projects ongoing. Like the, the engagement of this DAO just came together so quick and so fast that we had a number of other organizations reach out to us wanting advice on how to do the same for their community. And, uh, you know, when the first two people reached out, we're like, okay, you know, we can, we can share notes, happy to do that. But, you know, we've had over two dozen different organizations reach out to us, wanting us to start DAO for them. Can you make an, an example? What is the one which you thought, this one is exactly what we, a perfect client, so to say, that they, um, they need well, a DAO? So it's, it's affinity networks. It's groups of people that have this, this shared connection, this shared uh, level of trust, right? Whether it's a alumni association or you know, an investment portfolio, these types of 
affinities give you that trust to be able to just come in and work together in a way that I, I think other DAOs don't have. You know, other DAOs, you're working with strangers on the internet. I mean, they might literally scam you, uh, another member of the DAO. You know, it is fully, fully decentralized and, you know, uh, it could be anyone on the internet. But couldn't it then just be, and that's the, the issue I'm trying to wrap my head sure. around. The, I think the DAO is such this fluffy word. Yes. But couldn't it just be like a Discord group where you say only YC people are in there? Because it doesn't seem like the NFT, you cannot transfer it. Right. So it's just something cool to have. And the other, the government's token is just voting. So it, for me, it doesn't need to be decentralized well, the, and on the blockchain. But that voting is important though, right? Because I mean, that, that decides the direction of the DAO. And so the people who are working on projects, the people who are engaged in the DAO, they actually get more governance tokens. So now they have more of a say in the future decisions of the DAO. So it rewards engagement. And that's something that you don't have in affinity networks that don't have a DAO. You don't have the, this, this rewarding of, of incentives. But, but there are many message boards right. that offer kind of gamifications with points. You mentioned right. Reddit, upwards, downwards, karma. Mm -hmm. You don't really necessarily need it on the, on the blockchain. As, and since you cannot transfer it or sell it, it's kind of like, what's the point? Sure, and you know, who knows what it will be in the future, right? I mean, right now it's, it's non-transferable. That, that may change in the future, right? It's, it's up, that would be up to a DAO vote. Right now, it's, it's a governance token solely and, and you know, just serves that purpose. But you know, we, we might say, look, you know, there's benefit in having a tradable governance token, right? So the, the DAO can choose to make that decision down the road. Where I see the value would be, you would have a token that captures the value, mm -hmm that has a secondary market right. that I could buy into the, the, the orange DAO, sure. you know, or, like, or at least not be part of it, if, if that's the rule, but at right. least I would like to be to hold that token and have the upside of those companies that, that you're starting. I think right. That, right. that would be amazing. Yeah. Is, yeah. That, is that the dream or is that just like, I, you obviously know that it's currently not possible because right. of SEC, but do you think we're going that way or do you think it's just too hard at the moment due to regulations? You know, the regulations do make it really tough. You know, I, I would love to be in a world where that's possible and, and maybe maybe someday that, that will be possible. But yeah, the, the SEC makes this very difficult and you know, we have to play within their rules, so. But if you would make it fully decentralized and you would be an anon, mm -hmm. like nobody would know who you are, you could kind of do it, right? <laughs> have, you, have you thought about going down um, that path? Yeah, I, I mean, if you break the law and no one knows you did it, then yeah, <laughs> you know, I, like, I, I think there's, there's, there's value to having some type of identity attached to it. I would say that we are fully decentralized, but we're, we're definitely not anonymous, right? Mm -hmm. And because of that, like, uh, well, yeah, I, you know, you can't go around breaking SEC laws and, and expect to, to get away with it. Certainly not forever. We have to play within the rule book. And so that, that's what we're going to do. All right. And now this company, Origami, what is the, the problem you're solving for these companies? Right. So we're, we're building the same structure for other communities, right? Building that, the ability where the most engaged members, the ones who are contributing to the, the purpose of the DAO the most, they are able to accumulate uh, a, a bigger say in what the DAO does. You know, you, you can think of it kind of like the, the karma points on Reddit, right? But, you know, it's, it's happening on the blockchain. People can create proposals for things. We're, we're creating these, 
incentives for a, a more tightly knit community. Do you, when you say, because it, it seems to me there's like a lot of tools that you use, like right. let's say Discord and message boards. That's right. Uh, where, where you have polls, do polls, etc. Is that all part of the, the value proposition that you, you build this software or you plug into this other, it doesn't really matter if they use right. this message board or uh, yeah, this Discord server or... Well, to us, the tooling doesn't matter, right? We, we help these organizations uh, navigate this difficult field because, uh, I mean, there's very few people who have actually started a DAO today and it, it's difficult. And right now there's actually a lot of zombie DAOs, DAOs that have made their, their token tradable or, or done things that would put them on the wrong side of the SEC laws. So now like that token will never be traded on, on say Coinbase or any exchange because they violated SEC rules. And you know, once you do that, okay, well now this won't be traded on an exchange. Like how is this going to accumulate any value? It can't. So we help these existing organizations, you know, Web2 organizations to navigate these waters to make sure that they stay clear of, of SEC violations, for one. But also, you know, how do you actually engage your community? There's a lot of DAOs that just die out because they don't have any engagement. And so, you know, we've found a lot of different things that you have to do to keep that engagement up. One thing that we do is we've got a cadence. Like every week we do a town hall with Orange DAO. You know, we've got a regular cadence for voting. So you don't want people to just get burnt out on all this stuff, right? I shouldn't have to be in the Discord 24-7 to know what's going on in the DAO, right? There should be this role for more reserved members who just, you know, hold some governance tokens that, you know, they may vote, but they're, they're not in the day-to-day -day of the DAO. And then you have the more engaged members who are. Mm -hmm. So the issue is basically like every community online. There are some people who are very engaged and who do right. a lot of work, you have to keep them engaged and motivated and kind of uh, incentivized. Mm -hmm. And then you have like probably a large majority who's just there consuming and who also have, who receive a lot of value from it or are drifting off. Right. And you're saying that's something that origami solves as well. Yes, because you know, the, the other thing too is that it, you're able to surface ideas from anyone, right? I mean, you think of like a typical university alumni group today. Most of the ideas are coming top down, right? It's the, the university management that's actually, you know, kind of organizing a lot of the alumni events and, and putting these things together. Once you have this DAO structure, there's the incentive for you know, this bottom-up uh, approach to getting new ideas, starting new projects, uh, new initiatives. These are all possible with a DAO structure. And so, Setting it up that way, you're able to get the best of your community and, and really like take full advantage of your community. But I still struggle with the same thing. I mean, you say, okay, you are engaged to, to let's say, alumni club. Right. So people can, who are alumni can get in and they get governance tokens. That's and, right. And they would be, what would be the incentive to get, to get more of those tokens? Right. By, by doing events, by doing initiatives. Right, so it, it, it can depend on the way that we, we set up the DAO. You know, for some, um, for some DAOs, you know, we, we might set up like a, an exchange where you know, we, we do have this separate fund and DAO structure where the, the carry from the fund that would normally go to the GPs goes into the treasury of the DAO. 
Okay, now right. that's getting interesting. Right. So that, that's, you know, that's one, one thing we could do, you know, for, for memberships that maybe aren't subject to SEC regulations, you know, non-US persons, and maybe we could make it tradable from day one. You know, it, it really depends on the, the regulatory environment that, that we're dealing with. But the, the difficulty here is like universities, VC portfolios, these organizations want to capture the value from their community and they don't know how today. They, they don't know how to set up the DAOs or you know, they're, they're seeing that there's this massive graveyard of DAOs that have tried and failed. And we can help them navigate that, those, those dangerous waters of you know, how do you avoid SEC violations? How do you actually get a DAO that, that has engagement and then it has value? Mm -hmm. Cool. And you mentioned before the CEO of this new project of Origami. His name is Ben Hu. Ben Ha. Ben yes. Ha, not, yes. not to be mistaken for Ben Hur. That's what he says. Ben, ben Hur, how is it called? In Wikipedia, you know, like the. Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. I don't know how to pronounce it properly. Hu, 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 hu. We, we in Germany we would say Ben Hur. Hur, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so he seems to be quite an interesting character. He is, yeah, yeah. We, we kind of refer to him as like the, the godfather of DAOs or the Dao Whisperer. The Dao um, Whisperer. But yeah. he's also the OG meme lord. He is. He is the OG meme lord, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. He, he is the CEO of cheeseburgers.com. That's right. What, what is that exactly? It's like, it's like a viral mind gag. Yeah, it was a, a media company and they had all these different media sites that, mm -hmm. that posted a lot of meme content. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, he is the OG meme lord. Absolutely. And, and you can make a lot of money doing this by, <laughs> by, 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 you know, by ads or... What yeah, I mean, you, you'd have to ask him on that. So I guess you can look on, on Wikipedia and see how those businesses have, have fared. I think they've, they've done quite well. You know, there's definitely a lot of appetite on the internet yeah. for, for memes. But yeah, you know, he's been very into Web3 and, and DAOs. And uh, I mean, he was the one who, who really had the, the vision for Orange DAO. And, and so he was in YC as well. Yeah, yeah. So his, his last company, so after Cheeseburger, he started Social Construct which was trying to do like a shared living spaces. And they were doing that, you know, right in the middle of the pandemic, which made it very, very difficult. <laughs> so from that, you know, he, he got really into Web3 and particularly into DAOs. That's when we, you know, started Orange DAO and uh, there, there was demand for origami. So we, we started a company around that and I've been building it since. Cool. And how did you meet? Is it just from, from this WhatsApp group or? Because you, you're here alone. Uh, the office is not here in Rio, right? The, head <laughs> the office. office is in the metaverse. The yeah. office is in the metaverse. So you're working here. He's probably working in the US. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, we're all over. So I'm here in Rio. You know, one of us is in, in Milan. Uh, we got San Francisco, Colorado. We are fully, fully decentralized across the globe. Yeah. yeah. And you have been well, fundraising. Yeah, yeah. We're fundraising right now. What we've been doing right now, we're, we're basically raising a pre-seed and we're fully allocated on that. All right, pre-seed. Pre-seed, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It would be interesting to get a little bit, what can you tell us about valuations or, because I know uh, uh, right now that's the hot thing, right? You, right, you're, no, you, know. you, you wrote that wave perfectly, right? Yeah. As a kite surfer, you, 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 <laughs> you know and the, now the wind is blowing in the Dow direction. Well, yeah, I mean, yes and no, right? I mean, it's, uh, we're, in, we're in a crypto bear market right now, you know? Like, it, it's, it's been red for, for weeks, you know? The whole, the, yeah, it's true. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, on one hand, it, I, like, like, if 2020 was the year of DeFi and 2021 was the year of NFTs, I think 2022 is going to be the year of the Dow. 
there's tons of companies building DAO tooling right now. There are none that are primarily going after Web2 organizations. That's what's unique about Origami, is we're not helping crypto companies, we're helping Web2 companies to, to get onboarded mm -hmm. to Web3. And, so, you, and you also operate kind of in this traditional Web2 way. You build a company that is the you fundraise and you give equity so there's no token right the origami that's token. right no i we we are uh you know we're a delaware c corp we're we're a standard startup structure there mm -hmm. because again we're working with companies and companies don't want to like it's difficult for a company to work with a dow right now mm -hmm. right it's it's such a new structure so we're, we're trying to be familiar to these web 2 organizations to to be able to help onboard them mm -hmm. Um, and, and they pay you your services just like a software as a service company as well. So yeah, so we, we actually, I'd say we have more of, I know this example has been a bit overused, but somewhat of like the YC of DAOs. So, right, we're, we're partnering with these organizations to help them build their DAO. And so, yeah, we, we take a, a portion of those tokens and we're only successful if they're successful, right? So the tokens... If you take the tokens, you're paid by the tokens, so they need to capture value somehow down the road. You well, want to yeah, be able to, to sell them on Coinbase potentially one day. Potentially one day, yeah. You know, it, it depends on the, the structure. It depends. You know, there's ways you can you, you have to structure it so you don't run, run awry with the, the regulations. But yeah, so it's partially token-based. We do take a, a cash component as well. What are you building on? What what is the tech stack? Is it is it on Ethereum? Or is it on Solana? So, yeah, initially we're building for the Ethereum ecosystem. We are going to be chain agnostic. We don't care what blockchain you use. We'll have our recommendations per se, but we want to support you, right? So you know, if if it's a Solana community, you know, we're not going to set them up on Ethereum, right? Okay, so you use existing protocols. That's and right. kind of tied all together as a bundle, yeah, connected with also your knowledge and, you know, like consulting and uh, gamification and all that stuff. That's right. If we were to like try and build like the full stack for DAOs, right? I mean, that's a huge undertaking. I just, I mean, there, there are entire companies just built around one section, whether it's voting or token issuance. These are big problems and we are not trying to solve all of them. And what is uh, a company that is using your products or is going to use your products? What is kind of like the, the ideal customer? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't name them right now before they, they actually go public with their DAO. But, you know, we're working with some sports teams. We're working with different accelerators, VC portfolios, some crypto protocols. Let's go with the sports teams. What is something that you could do with a DAO that you cannot do currently? You know, like yeah, extreme a little question. bit. What would be cool? Yeah. So you can act, you can engage your fans on a, on a much more deep level, right? So what about like you're redesigning the jersey, right? Imagine if you're a fan, you could actually come up with a design that gets used, right? Anyone can create it, and then the DAO gets to vote on it. And if you have more voting power, you have more say in what your team will do. That's pretty cool, right? We, we love to, to have the fans have that much closer and tighter connection with their sports teams. Yeah, that's interesting. And now let's change the topic. What are some controversial things that you believe in, in, in crypto? Controversial things that I believe in crypto. Or some, some hot takes. Hmm. I, I don't know if this is a hot take anymore, but... 
I, I don't think there's going to be one winner. You know, I, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist. I'm not an Ethereum maximalist. I, I, I think we're going to live in a multi-chain future. What do you think about Bitcoin? They've been around the longest. I think the, the craziest stat for Bitcoin is that when Bitcoin was around, you know, the, the, was it, the euro had been around for like 10 years or something. So now Bitcoin has, has existed for longer than the euro had existed when Bitcoin came out. Mm. Kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The Lindy effect, right? If something has lived a long time, right. it's probably going to live a right. longer time. We don't give financial advice on this channel. Yes, of course. However, what would be something that you could recommend for somebody who is joining now and wants to get exposure to crypto? I think the best way to get into crypto is like, you got to learn it and just play around with it, right? Like see, see what's new and what's interesting. Anything that you, you hear from me right now, you know, it's going to be obsolete in like a month <laughs> or yeah, two weeks even. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think the, the best advice to, to give anyone who's new to this space is like, go out and learn it, you know, go, go on like, uh, what is it, rabbithole.gg and play around with these protocols, like learn it. You, you got to play around with it. You got to get familiar with it. How did you fall into the crypto rabbit hole? Well, it's funny actually. So when we were going through YC in summer 14, we were like the, the Bitcoin batch. We had all these different Bitcoin companies back then. And uh, so Stacks was, was in our, our batch for YC. What is that? Stacks? Stacks. They're, they're building smart contracts for Bitcoin. So like the Citicoin initiatives is run on Stacks. They're trying to replicate mm -hmm. the Ethereum ecosystem. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, With smart contracts. Uh, okay. Because I, I just hear Bitcoin people talking about everything is possible in Bitcoin, but right. I don't really see much going on there. But right. 2014, they were already building they were, they were the building tooling. It. Yeah. Yeah. How is that going? I'm not sure. You know, I've only used it a, a few times. So anyways, you know, going through the batch, it was funny. Whenever we'd have a speaker come in, uh, they'd always ask, oh, you know, what do you think of Bitcoin? And, you know, all of us, you know, everyone else is just kind of like, oh, you know, this question again, like, okay, <laughs> you know, we didn't think anything of it, right? Yeah, uh, and this is back when Bitcoin was like 250 bucks each. And they're all saying, oh, you know, you guys should buy some Bitcoin, blah, blah, blah. And we're like, yeah, yeah, okay. Bad, bad decisions there. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, only we listened, yeah. you know? They knew, they knew. They, they did. Yeah. Hey, in 2014 was also the, the Ethereum ICO. I believe it was, yeah, 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 that's right. No, nobody talked about Ethereum at YC? I'm sure they were. I, they definitely were. I was just not in those conversations, you yeah. know? Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, back then, crypto was not like a big thing, you know? It, everyone was talking about, oh, AI is the future, VR, but it, like crypto wasn't as clear as I think it is today, where now it's like, okay, but that's the direction things are going. When did VR really became and AI like as big as everybody thought? Could, could it also no. happen to crypto that, hey, crypto will fizzle out and it's just like we, we are in this fever dream right now and it's... It could. In, in it, 10 years, it, nobody oh, it talks about crypto. Could, right. I, I think a good measure for this is like, where are the, the best minds going to work? What was it? 10, 15 years ago, they were going to work at like Google, Facebook, right? That's where the innovation was happening. And I think what we're seeing now is they're moving to Web3. The, the best developers are learning how to write code for crypto and they're, they're moving into these projects. That I think is a, is a very strong leading indicator of what the next big innovation is going to look like. Definitely.
What do you say is the currently the killer application that you want to see besides DAOs? You know, I'm not sure we're at that point yet. What we need is more infrastructure, right? And the the Web2 example of this is, you know, imagine trying to build a startup without AWS, without Amazon Web Services, without being able to just spin up a server with a click of a button. Mm -hmm. right? You had to go out, you had to buy actual servers, set them up, you know, require this whole other level of knowledge just to be able to then go and create your own idea, mm -hmm. right? So that, that infrastructure is really, really important. And I think we're still in the infrastructure stage for Web3. Definitely. However, back then people built all their services without AWS. I mean, they did. Yeah, yeah. They they still made they, it. They happen. made both, but it didn't really explode until that that infrastructure was mm -hmm. there. I mean, you think like like ENS, Filecoin, Filecoin. They were in our batch as well. Yeah. So you know, the, these things are coming, and you know, some of them they're, they're being created, but we need more of this infrastructure that makes it easy for anyone with an idea to come in and, and build it. How many percent? of new YC um, companies are currently crypto? It's a great question. What, what do you think? I, I have no you idea, know. honestly. I, you know, YC has done a, a pretty good job on, on I mean, they've like Coinbase, OpenSea. They've, they've had some good picks on the, on the crypto side. But yeah, I mean, they did notably miss MetaMask. MetaMask Met applied to YC and applied. They, they said no. Ah, I thought that's something of uh, Joseph Lubin's consensus. Yeah, you know, consensus company. applied to YC. Ah, okay. Probably and they denied because they knew like, they have already funding secured due to the <laughs> right? I mean, this no, guy. No, he shared it on Twitter that uh, this was their rejection letter from YC. Ah, yeah. Okay, interesting. So, you know, YC missed out on that one. So, you know, I think they, they have to keep evolving to be able to really capture this new Web3 market. They, they need to bring on Web3 partners. I think they honestly have a little catching up to do. And the Orange DAO is kind of a, a danger for them as well. No, no. <laughs> We're not trying to compete with them. I, I mean, like, the, the reason that we have the affinity that we do, the reason that we can all work together is because we all went through this program. Our goal is to help new companies to go through Y Combinator. I mean, it still provides tremendous value if you're, you're new to starting a company. They really give you tons of resources there, and the network is, is so valuable. So we'd recommend anyone that, you know, if you're just starting a company, yeah, you should definitely go through YC. And we as the Orange Dow, like, we can, we can help you get in. You know, we can write you recommendations to get you into YC. But we're, we're not trying to compete with YC. You know, we, we can't start up a new accelerator and... Or, you know, that, that's not in the works. That's not, not in the plans. Mm -hmm. You also have quite some, some gadgets, I've seen. Gadgets. <laughs> yeah. You have a VR goggle, right? Yeah, um, yeah I got the, the Oculus. The yeah. Oculus. You also have some, you also track your, your sleep. What is it called? The ring? Oh, yeah, I was using the Oral Ring. Now I've got an eight sleep. Is that the mattress that, uh, that you, cools you yeah, down? Yeah, the mattress topper that uh, like cycles cool or hot water through the mattress. I heard about that one on the Tim Ferriss. It's it's a game changer. His, is it it's, really? It's amazing. Yeah. And you There's need a, water. It's not running water, obviously. It's just like a tank of water. It's a tank of water that flows through these pipes here, right? Ah, and just a couple of liters. Yep. And it flows through the bed and can make it really cold. But the cool wow. thing is that it'll track your stage of your sleep. And so, like, once you fall asleep, it'll warm it up a bit, so you don't get cold in the middle of the mm. night. 
and then it can wake you up with a thermal alarm. Do you still need a micro, uh, <laughs> air conditioning? It depends. I mean, if it's like, if it's really hot, like, you know, I mean, right now, Rio summers, yeah, because the room just gets really stuffy. Mm -hmm. But I mean, back in like October, November, I, I wasn't using the, the AC at all. That's cool. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Do you do a lot of self-optimization? Yes. Yeah. Like, like I told you at the beginning, you know, it's, it's like, I, I love to Hacking. hack on stuff and Mm -hmm. You know, I, I like to live in the future. Okay, but do you do you sometimes have people telling you, "Hey, you're a tech bro," or kind of like <laughs> chat chat you in that way? I I don't know. I don't think I'm. I don't think I fit the category of tech bro. I mean, no? maybe tech nerd. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's the difference? I don't know. I I feel like the the stereotype of like tech bro is like you know the like the the sales the sales tech guy. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know. All right. <laughs> and one more, one more thing I would like to ask you. Since we're sitting in Rio, you grew up in Chicago. You have been working in San Francisco mm -hmm. and London. Yeah. How is Rio comparing to those places? Is it a good place to be working? Well, for one, there's no snow. So that's, that's a huge plus for me. Uh -huh. I think I've had enough snow for a lifetime. I, I love being surrounded by nature. You know, one thing about Rio is it has more urban national parks than any other city. So you're just you're surrounded by nature you know we got these these birds flying up here looking at the mountains and all the trees the the green like i love that i i love feeling like i'm in a forest but i i have all the benefits of a city you know i've got great restaurants i can walk down to the beach you've got like 40 miles of protected bike lanes it, it's great to be active here mm -hmm. Uh, it, like the culture is is very active. You, know, you go. We were at the beach at like 7 a.m. and it's packed with people on a Monday morning, working out. You know, you, you don't see that in many places. Yeah. That's that's very rare. And I, I I like the energy here. And compared to San Francisco, because uh, a lot of people are on Twitter, and I've never been to San Francisco myself. They're complaining about what's happening to San Francisco, feeling unsafe. It's sad. Uh, it's 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 really sad what's happening there. I. I feel less safe in San Francisco than I do in Rio, which gets a bad rep. I, I feel safer here than in San Francisco. The city has really gone downhill tremendously. It's really sad because like, it's, it's in such a cool place too. You know, you've got the ocean, you've got the bay, you've got mountains. If you want to go skiing, you've got that a few hours away. I mean, it's geographically, it should be perfect. It's just yeah, the state and city governments have just executed so poorly like they just, they literally hate tech. And so, yeah, they're, they're pushing everyone out. And, uh, and how, how is Rio ranked on the Nomad list? It's probably middle of the road, all in all, for me at least, you know, like working with people in the US for a time zone basis, uh, for what I like to do, doing water sports, like this is a great spot to be for mm -hmm. me. So for me, I like it. It's an awesome place to be and I'm really happy to be here. Definitely. Let's do the, the fi finishing words. Sure. Okay. What, what is the call to action, basically? Yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, they can follow me on Twitter. At Matt Vosca. At Matt Vosca. I'll link it up. Okay, so cool. Sweet. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. This is great. If you're still listening, chances are that you liked this episode. DeFi is not just me. It's also you, the listener. And growing this podcast is seriously one of the toughest challenges I've ever undertaken. It's so hard to grow an audience. But each day, there are more listeners joining and together we can spread the word about DeFi by giving it five stars on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening. Send this episode to a friend who might be interested. 
check out the website visitdefire.money and click on subscribe to get the new episodes and in the future also blog posts directly into your inbox. Also make sure to follow me on Twitter at DeFireMoney. All of this helps so we can continue to produce more episodes more frequently and get the most interesting guests that you deserve. Good night and see you soon.